0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Little Talks with Pop Cult X. It's our conversation series where we chat with a wide variety of creative people. Like today, we are here with Raquel V. Reyes, a fantastic author who is carving out murder mysteries for us to all enjoy. So, welcome back to Pop Cult X, Raquel.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Danny. I appreciate it.
0: Yes. Now, if you don't remember everyone out there, Raquel was part of our Latin Excellence Writers' Roundtable, and mm-hmm. we wanted to dive a little bit deeper into what inspires Raquel and in her writing. So um, just right off the bat, Raquel, I noticed that the kitchen and food plays a large part in your writing, at least in the titles from what I've seen. Now, yeah. is it just in your writing or how important is food and the kitchen to your family and your upbringing?
1: Well, you know, um, I, so for this series, um, it's a culinary cozy. So of course, you know, I have to talk about food, (laughs) um, but, um, I didn't want to talk about food in the way of, you know, oh, I'm going to take a picture of this pretty food that I had, or you have to go to this place (laughs) because it's got the greatest thing or whatever. I wanted to talk about the history and the culture behind it, because that's what interests me. So Mm -hmm. like, how did that food come to being a, identify as part of our culture, right? right. And right. what elements of those came. And since I specialize on, uh, you know, Spanglish is my thing, you know, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm centered in the Caribbean. And so I talk a lot about the foods that came over with the, with the colonizers, uh, the food that came over with the enslaved Africans, mm-hmm. um, how that changed and um mixed together and um yeah so I do I do like to talk about it means a lot to me but it means but it it has to do with um it has to do with culture and I think that like that's the theme that runs through all of my writing is to have that cultural representation
0: that's and that's excellent I enjoy that now um for you mentioned Spanglish now um I really enjoy the fact that you don't give definitions for non-Spanish speakers and you make them figure it out within the context or go look up the word. Um, Is that something that was just, you know, this is how I speak, this is how I write and I'm just going to put it out there and you guys figure it out?
1: You know, that's how you learn a language, right? It's true. And um, you have to trust the author. And in this case, the author is me. (laughs) I'm not going to make it impossible for my reader. You know, I, am not going to make obstacles for my reader. Like you have to trust, like, it's almost like when you read it, you just have to go, okay, I'm here for the ride, you know? Yeah. So that, yeah. Like, I have a theater degree and, and part of, of when you walk in the door of a theater mm-hmm. is you, there, there's a contract you have. You, the audience member agree to suspend your disbelief. Yeah. Right. So yeah. when you pick up a, a novel to read or pop in your earbuds to listen to an audiobook, you also have a contract with the with the author to trust them, you know? Mm-hmm. So I do have Spanglish in there. Most of it is through context. Occasionally there might be something that I need to translate a little bit, but I never do a direct translation. Right. You know, I always give you the idea of it or the feel of it. Yeah. And then just, I would say probably 0.05% of the time, I'll have a little word in there that I don't because it's for a very specific <laughs> reader. Right.
0: You know, and, right, and right.
1: Somebody, somebody mentioned so like little Easter eggs. And I'm like, exactly. Yes. You know, very true. And it, and it doesn't matter to the plot or the story, it's just a little fun something.
0: Yeah. You yeah, know, and,
1: it's like and, I will put Jupina into a story because Jupina is a pineapple drink that is made in Florida. Most um, made in Miami, actually. Most um, Miami Cubans know it and love it. It, <laughs> it doesn't um, export to other states, it did originally come from Cuba. I mean, it's just a very specific thing that's just, you know, to put a smile on somebody's face.
0: Yeah, no, that's not
1: everybody's face. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, I mean, things like that, I think are really cool, especially for a reader like me who might not know what that was. And I go, what is that? So I'll look it up. And then I realize where it's where it came from and where it originates and how it ties back into you, the author. And that connection it makes with you for with your culture and the city you live in. And I think that's just that's just Astounds me. I really enjoy when that happens.
1: Isn't that the fun of, of reading? Isn't that the reason why we all kind of devour books? Yeah. Right? It's, it's this, this um, you know, the one, you want to be in a different place possibly, but you also want to learn something new. And it's this submersion into an environment and so forth. So, I mean, I think we can do the same thing with contemporary pop fiction, Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't just have to be like this world building that is in the fantasy, um, in the fantasy world. Right. You know? No.
0: No, I agree. I agree completely. Um, when did you realize that you wanted to be a, a writer or a storyteller? Was there like um growing up, was did you always like create these stories for everyone or
1: you know. I mean, I read tons, I read tons, but um, from a very young age, and I don't know why, I wanted to be a poet and I started writing poetry. Okay. In elementary school, Um, I won an award for some poem, like literally there's a picture of me, you know, getting a little (laughs) creative writing award. Um, Looking miserable because, you know, that's, (laughs) but yeah. I mean, that's the writer's soul, isn't it? Right, yeah. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, um, but I guess I never thought I could write a full-length novel. You know, like I wrote um, plays because I have a theater degree and um, then I wrote short stories because I've always loved short stories. But making that jump to, oh yeah, I can really complete such a long story. Like it's a different part of your brain to write a novel. Yeah.
0: So when you made that leap into the novel or even into short stories from your poem and playwriting, what did you find most challenging about that?
1: Yeah, it is. For me, writing um, a longer piece is always the middle, the muddy middle you know it's this it's like like you know what has to be there you know where you're going you know the end point but there's this big middle <laughs> that you have to do stuff with right <laughs> i think i'm getting better at it it doesn't bother me as much but like the first couple of manuscripts i had um yeah that was like the toughest like i can get to 25k like this like, that's not a problem. It's after that point that you're like, oh, I got to do another 25K and then another. Like, once you get to the middle, then you're like, oh, OK, it's downhill. I got you.
0: Right, right. It's as, a
1: numbers game. It's a, it's like a it's a mental trick you have to do in your head. Well, I have to do in I had to be like, you're almost there, you know, almost.
0: <laughs> almost now as a mystery writer do you um, come up with like the ending in your mind first? I mean, do you have like an idea of how you want it to end before you even get to the middle part? Or is that something that just, you know, happens along you the know, way?
1: Um, I write, um, I'm somewhat of a pantser or a discovery writer, as they say. And so I have a skeleton plot. I know a couple of key scenes. Mm-hmm um for the most part i know who the villain is for the most part um but i would not say i know it all like i think that that for me is the joy of it yeah is that journey and finding those little things or when something clicks and you're like oh it's almost <laughs> like i planned it hmm. yeah you know I, I mean i'm pretty i'm pretty good because uh I have to put a lot of red herrings in my stories and keep track of things and so forth. And, and so I write with a notebook beside me to try to like keep notes to remind Uh, myself, you have got to go back and pick up that thread or don't forget you left somebody out there, you know, and you need to go back and get them or, you know, some of those (laughs) things, but then sometimes like organically, it just happens and you're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, that was beautiful. That was nice. And you go, ah. (laughs) You know, like
0: it was meant to be. And you look around for people to acknowledge it, and you're like, "Hey, yeah, where's
1: the applause? (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's really cool. That's really cool. I I hadn't thought about taking notes while you're writing, so that's interesting to hear. I mean, yeah, I I don't call myself a writer, but I've dabbled with like short stories and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I never thought about taking notes. So that's really a helpful piece of advice for me, and maybe for anyone else out there. So, thank you for sharing that. No. Do you make it a point to write every day or only when like you're inspired to?
1: No. Oh, my goodness. If I only wrote when I was inspired to, I would never meet my deadline for my contracts. <laughs> no, I have to write every single day. Um, I'm a slow writer. I don't like some people sit down and they can you know, write 5,000 words in a sitting. I can't do that. That's not how, you know, I operate. So, you know, some days I'm only writing 246 words. Um, I mean, in reality, I might've written 700 words, but 246 words that stay on the page. (laughs) And, um, but I also kind of edit as I go. So my process is long. Like there's some people who write a first draft and then they go back and they write a second draft and they do my, my first, second, and third draft is all the same. Gotcha. Right. And then, um, but yeah, no, I have to write every day and you know, it's a muscle that you build. So if Mm. you do want to have a career as a writer, you have to find your pattern, your schedule, the routine that works for you mm-hmm. and you have to be consistent in it. So yeah. maybe for a long time, I used to say that I was um, a weekend a writing warrior because I would you know, <laughs> write on the weekends only. Uh-huh. I mean, I still am like, I, like today I put in six, to, well, we're, we're recording on a Saturday FYI. Um, <laughs> I put in six hours today, you know what I'm saying? And um, I can't do that otherwise, you know, uh, but I do write, you know, one and a half to two hours every morning um yeah it's important
0: yeah that's so. that's really cool yeah practice makes perfect I guess or perfect practice well makes it's perfect. just
1: it's like anything it's muscle memory like mm-hmm. it's just easier like um I went to I had to go on a conference and I don't write when I'm on conference because um, I I don't enjoy writing on a laptop in other places and so forth. You know, I kind of like my quiet yeah. cave. But anyhow, so I was gone for four or five days and I come back and, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh.
0: How just, do you get back like, into like, it? It's yeah.
1: like, oh, how do you get back into it? <laughs> but you just sit your chair in the butt and you sit down and it's like amazing. <laughs> like your hands know what to do. Your brain knows what to do. Mm-hmm. You know the warrior in you doesn't. And so you can't listen to them. Yeah. And that's when that muscle memory kicks in.
0: Very true. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you balance your writing with like the rest of your life that you do? Are there struggles and joys? How do you, what's that balance there?
1: <laughs> you know, um, before I got um, signed and before I had a contract that with multiple, you know,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: multiple books that I have to finish. Um, I would let other things get in the way of my writing, but I can't now. Uh, Yeah. Like, I I can't. Like, for me, like, the deadline is, (laughs) like, the end goal. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's like, I am not going to fail. I will make that deadline.
0: So I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> for me, I, I completely understand deadlines. I do a lot of um, web design stuff. And if I don't set yeah. myself a, deblo- a deadline for when to have the code complete, it just could be an ongoing thing that I'll never finish. So I completely understand mm-hmm. deadlines. Yeah. You write a lot of mystery books and you have mm-hmm. um, you're the president or is the founder of latinasleuths.com. That's your website <laughs> that you run.
1: That's just that's kind of like my branding. Yeah. Yeah. That's just I, me.
0: And it's really yeah. cool. Um, now, but if you had the opportunity to write a different genre of book besides mystery, what do you think you'd find yourself doing?
1: Hmm. Hmm. Um, probably I would write kind of uh, nonfiction Hmm. socio commentary okay like cultural commentary and you know that kind of thing probably more like maybe on the academic side okay yeah
0: that that's really cool you know. i mean it sounds like yeah. textbooks to i mean me, i don't but... think
1: like i i don't yeah I, I i i enjoy other genres and i certainly enjoy them when they're put into uh put on the screen or in film or so forth but mm-hmm. I don't think I could get in the mindset yeah. to write like a historical set in the Victorian age or like a whole fantasy mm-hmm. yeah I don't think, I think
0: <laughs> well I want to circle back never to say
1: never though never say yep, never
0: there you go that's true
1: never say next never. thing we
0: know you're coming out with a historical fantasy fiction set in the Revolutionary
1: War, yeah. Who knows? No, no, I know. We're not gonna. We're not going with wars. I, if I did anything, I would like. Okay, so okay, so you've challenged me, and now my brain uh-huh. is like clicking. Okay, so I would write a complete underwater world. Ooh. That would be the thing that I would do. I like it. That would be That's the thing it. that would. Do.
0: Now, would it be yeah. underwater world with people who can breathe underwater, or just you know encapsulated in air bubbles and? Kind oh no like, they um, would
1: breathe in the water that whole encapsulated under air bubbles like no no i'm not like getting that word. no there's no atlanta no yeah they okay. would be like some hybrid something that can gotcha yeah yeah All right we'll see what All comes right. to that i'll put you in the notes i'll, I'll there you go you. Uh, thanks for the idea
0: <laughs> i want to circle back real quick to uh something that you mentioned in the writer's round table that we didn't get a chance to explore. And you talked Mm -hmm. about um, Desi Arnaz and Ricky Ricardo. Now you said it would be a short story, short two minute, little tidbit, but I want you to talk a little bit about that. How did that come about you meeting him? Um, What was that all about?
1: Okay. So while, let's see if I can find it now. I found it. Okay. So go to um, Planet Money, which is the NPR, um, podcast. Okay. And find the episode about Desi Arness. Okay. Okay. That's like everybody's homework. Okay. <laughs> That's just everybody's homework. Now, so, um, as a kid, I would watch, um, I love Lucy mm-hmm. on reruns after school because, um, the people who took care of me were these family of, um, these three sisters from Havana. They were educators, oh, okay? And so we came home and we would have to, you know, do our homework or whatever, and then after that was done, if there was time we would watch TV. But they did not have cable. There was not going to be cable. It was just what was on and it just so happened what was on were these reruns, right? And I also remember I was like, why is it in black and white? You know, what <laughs> anyway. Um but I watched it and here is this family that looks like my family, you know, Mm -hmm. my mother's American. My mother had um, red hair. My father's Cuban. Okay. Okay. You know, some of the fun um, that they have with the accent and, and some of the misunderstandings and some of those Mm -hmm. things like I could very much relate to, I mean, that same um, cultural battle was going on in my home. It was been going on in my life. Forever, but anyhow, you know, I could just see myself and really, I was like, I didn't feel alone. And especially since I'm an only child, you know, mm-hmm. to have something to identify was was super important. It didn't matter that little Ricky was little Ricky. You know, <laughs> I could still identify that, you know, they had this little kid, right? Right. So anyway, Great, great, great. So then um, it turns out that. Desi Arnaz went to my school. I went to a small Catholic school in Miami beach. Okay. I guess when he came from Cuba or whatever, he attended this school or maybe he sent his kids to a school. I don't remember, but he attended, he, he attended school. So then they make this big deal about Desi Arnaz is coming. Oh my God. Desi Arnaz is coming. Like tell everybody (laughs) in the school. Right. Right but remember, I'm kind of, I'm a kid.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: don't know that Desi Arnaz is Ricky, it's Ricardo. Ricky
0: Ricardo. Okay, gotcha. Well, like, okay. I,
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, right. I'm in elementary school. I'm not making these connections. <laughs> anyway. So finally, I guess somebody explains who it is. Maybe the teacher explained it, who it is or whatever. Great. So we all go outside. We, we, he arrives in, A car, you know, probably. I feel like it was like a Cadillac or a Lincoln. I don't know what it is. It wasn't a limo, though. I don't think. But anyway, he gets out, and he doesn't look like Ricky Ricardo
0: because, of course, he's older.
1: (laughs) And I'm watching (laughs) these shows, right? Hey. But anyway, (laughs) like everybody's like, "Oh, Ricky," you know. I mean, we're we're very um, at that point there was a high percentage of Cubans in Miami, like when I was highest. Now there's a little bit more diversity within the uh, Spanish speakers in Miami. Okay. But at that point it was almost exclusively Cubans. I mean, he was a hero. He was a right. hero and like, it was just electric and you got to see it and and I, it, it really stayed with me. So then all these years later, I've always kind of told the story that, you know, how important he was to me and so forth and so on. And then I listened to that podcast Mm -hmm. from which was only like two years ago um, on Planet Money. And it talks about what he did for Hollywood, how he changed Hollywood, how powerful he was that they then boycotted any Latinx, Latino, anyone. They boycotted us. From Hollywood for all those years and you can go back and you can see we were not represented after that because mm-hmm. he was he did it too well too successful and they couldn't oh, handle wow. it I mean it is an amazing story that
0: is wow. and
1: it is it is you and you so listen to it so that's that's my uh my homework for everybody go listen to
0: <laughs> we'll do that yeah, yeah I didn't even think about. Yeah, I'll try like to send that. you the link
1: and maybe you can put it in the program notes or something like that.
0: Yes, I will do yeah. that. Or I'll go find it and I'll put it in there. It will be, the mm-hmm. link will be in the program notes for sure. One way or the other.
1: Awesome.
0: <laughs> um, you, you spoke a lot about your family. Uh, are they supportive of your writing or what do they think of it? Or
1: Sure. I mean, like, I think I'm like the only writer for sure. Like, you know, So I'm Mm -hmm. a little bit of an outlier within my family. Um, But they're very supportive of of me. You know, um, they might not completely understand it, (laughs) but they're very supportive of me. That's cool. They weren't supportive of me when I said I wanted to quit college and write. But now they're supportive of me all these years later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, are there any characters in your books or writings that have similarities with people you know or yourself, or how much self-reflection? You in know, there?
1: any writer who says that they they that that is not the case is lying. Of course, <laughs> of course, we put people in there.
0: Right. Um,
1: maybe not the whole of the person, but certainly characteristics from people that we know. So, absolutely. I mean, a couple of the characters. Um, have traits from people that I know. I've used some family names in there just for my own fun.
0: <laughs> you know, not for any significance. Right.
1: Um, actually, the main character, her name is Medium Quiñones. My mother-in-law's name is Medium. Um, oh, okay. Quiñones is a family name from uh, a couple of generations back. And... Uh, I, I like to tell everybody the mother-in-law in my stories is um, not nice. Um, she's people love to hate her. She's, you know, passive aggressive and she's. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but my mother-in-law is great. Like my, my mother-in-law is wonderful. I love her. And, you know, that's the reason why I named my main character <laughs> so, Miriam. So, you
0: have to tell her yeah. this is not a reflection of you. I don't think of you like this. that's cool (laughs) if you had to tell characterize your writing with um one thing if you could say my writing's this way if you just characterize it in one word or one sentence what would that be
1: yeah my writing has to do with um cultural identity like even though I write this series and th- there's this character, if you look at my short stories, because I also write short stories, all the characters that are in the in my short stories, all the main characters in which are also either grappling with their own cultural identity or using their cultural identity um as a motivator. You know, it's is a theme that runs through my writing and um and I think it even ran through my poetry and my playwriting, too. So I just think it's 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 part of my, uh, you know, part of what I do.
0: That's really cool. That is really cool. I, I That's something I struggle with, culture identity, have coming from mixed heritage. And it's like, can I how do I explore both of them without leaving one out? So, yeah, it's I really well, like. And them.
1: also, if if neither has um, embraced you completely, Mm -hmm. right or found fault with you for whatever i mean that's one of my things that i talk about with um the fact that i use spanish and spanglish is that for a long time there was in my personal life there's like this gatekeeping thing about that right yeah yeah i mean do you not speak it well enough so if you don't speak it well enough you get a commentary on that
0: yeah but then if you don't
1: speak it at all you also get commentary on it. And yeah. so it's like, you can't have it both ways, people. You can't have it both ways. Very so true. I love to tell um, Latinx, encourage Latinx who maybe do not have a strong foundation in Spanish. Maybe it was not spoken in your primary home. Maybe you only heard it when you went to your abuelos mm-hmm. or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, in your subconscious, but maybe it's not at the forefront. You know, I just wanna like embrace it. Don't be ashamed of it. You can learn, you can, um, you know, use the language, change the language, even if you need to. I mean, look at, we are using Latinx and Latin, why? Because it's a gendered language and we have now evolved and we want to be more embracing. The language changes, use the part of the language that serves you, okay? Use the, make the language work for you, you know, and don't be afraid of it. I want to encourage people to do because for, I want to, I mean, truly for a long time, I felt ashamed that I was not better with this language. I mean, my name is Raquel Reyes. I should be able to speak (laughs) <laughs> perfectly <laughs> but i don't my grammar is good i i didn't learn it on a page i learned it hearing it mm-hmm. you know i learned it speaking mm-hmm. it i didn't learn it at sitting at a school desk and reading it and, and you know conjugating verbs were the worst oh my goodness <laughs> um i mean even though i did like take it <laughs> in high school and so forth you know what i'm saying yeah um, I hear you. they just like me because they like my accent they would always be like, oh, read this passage. And it's like, okay. You know, I can roll my R's, but I would also like to know how to conjugate a verb, yeah. but whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I just want to like encourage people to um tackle it. Make it mm-hmm. your own. Don't be afraid of it. Just, you know, yeah. It's yours. It's right? yours.
0: Yeah. That's true.
1: It's yours. Yeah. Don't let somebody take that from you.
0: That's completely true. I I hear that. That resonates with me. Hopefully, it resonates with some of you out there. And exactly. we thank you for sharing that. Um, where can people find you uh, besides your website on social media platforms? Mm-hmm. Are you on still? Um, are you still on I'm, Twitter?
1: <laughs> poor Twitter. <laughs> <I'm> so sad. <laughs> miss it so much. Like I have so many good friends, so many good conversations. <laughs> um, I'm not moving to the other platform. You know that everybody's talking about the dinosaur mm-hmm. platform. I'm not moving <laughs> to that one. But anyway, so I'm sorry. I'm on Instagram quite a bit. You can find me on Instagram, okay. and I'm on Book Talk. So go to TikTok and and um, I do some book recommendations over there and some other stuff over there. Oh,
0: so that's what like that your is. You're not. Knock-
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love the book talk side of TikTok. Love it. There's some great stuff there. I mean, I also kind of like the cultural and political stuff, but I will not be (laughs) engaging in that. I feel like, you know, I enjoy, you know, consuming that. I'm not going to be a creator of that stuff, but um, I'm also on Facebook just because I kind of have to be. Mm -hmm. So if you're a Facebook person, you can find me there. I'm not as active. I mean, if you wanna see the stuff that goes on in my life, go to Instagram and go to TikTok.
0: Gotcha. Well, Raquel, thank you very much for for sharing some insight, for giving us some advice and for taking some time to talk with us today. We really appreciate that. Um, Everyone out there, if you haven't had a chance to go pick up Mango, Mambo and Murder, which is the first in her Caribbean kitchen mystery series, which won a lefty and best humorous mystery award. Right. It was also yeah. nominated for an Agatha Award and optioned for a film. Mm.
1: Yep. And it won an International Latino Book Award, too.
0: See, There you go. Go find it. Go buy it. I read it from the library. And then the, go get the second app.
1: one, too. Calypso, Corpses and Cooking. That's
0: the second one. Calypso, Corpses and Cooking. I like it. So, yes, go follow her. Buy her work. Um, Let her know that we want to read more of her from her point of view and her story, because it is very poignant in these times. So thank you again, Raquel. We really appreciate it. Thanks.
1: It was great. Thanks for having me.